This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. In just two years, Dennis Crawley has gone from a soccer nobody to a soccer somebody. He is the founder of Stockade FC and recently became an NPSL board member. Like Dennis, his club went from 0 to 100 pretty quickly as well. Stockade FC, when they first started, set a goal to someday qualify for the U.S. Open Cup. In just two seasons, they won their league and achieved their goal of qualifying for the Open Cup. So, congrats to them. In that same two-year time span, Dennis has also come to realize just how much of a hindrance U.S. soccer rules, regulations, and standards are in the growth process for American soccer clubs. In this interview, you're going to hear him talk about Stockade's quick success, but then ask himself, well, what's next? U.S. Soccer's mission statement states that it wants to make soccer the preeminent sport in the United States. And I struggle to understand with how that mission can ever be accomplished with a system that promotes exclusion, not inclusion. If we want this sport to grow, we need to start providing more opportunities for players, coaches, fans, investors, cities, and states to really get involved in the game on a national scale. Small communities, like Stockade FC's hometown of Kingston, have a lot to offer this sport and a lot to offer this country. Dennis Crowley and his squad are doing good work, but without the necessary changes at the top of U.S. soccer, there will always be a roadblock preventing Stockade FC and many, many others from reaching their full potential. Artificially stunting the growth of clubs across the country doesn't seem like it's in line with making soccer the preeminent sport in the United States. And thankfully, we have guys like Dennis who are willing to call U.S. soccer out on their charades. So I hope that you enjoy this interview with Dennis Crowley. And I also want to point out that 343 has been calling BS on a lot that happens inside of U.S. soccer since 2009. And that's why I first gravitated towards the site. The second thing that really reeled me in was an unprecedented educational experience that is still the only one of its kind to my knowledge. And that educational experience is the 343 Coaching Education Program. And that program gives you insider access showing you exactly how a youth coach built a real team from the time that they were nine years old until the player started to sign professional contracts as teenagers. It shows you what went into the making of back-to-back-to-back-to-back Surf Cup trophies when Surf Cup was at its peak. It shows you exactly what type of training the American kids got before they went head-to-head with the real FC Barcelona Academy. It gives you that and so much more. And it is all available for you to learn and to study 24-7 inside of the 343 Coaching Membership. There are no actors, no scripts, no BS, no fluff. You get to see the real drills, you get to hear the real coaching points, and you get to see the real results on the field. So if you enjoy this podcast and if you enjoy the education 343 provides in the free online course, the next step is waiting for you. You can find out more about the 343 Coaching Education Program by visiting 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343coaching, all spelled out, dot com. All right, let's get into today's episode with Dennis Crowley. Enjoy.
Okay, hello. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Good. How are things at Foursquare headquarters? Uh, they're good. We just, yeah, we moved into a new office um, this week, and it's uh, like people are still unpacking, and there's still construction, and it's a shit. No one knows where any of the rooms are. It's a shit show, but it's it's really big and it's really nice. What was the reason for the move? Uh, we ran out of space. We have 300 people now, and um, the other space was we, we were running out of room for desks, and we ran out of conference rooms. So the big upgrade is our, our old space had 12 conference rooms, and this place has 40. Oof. So, yeah, it's, it's like it will take us a little bit to grow into the space, but like it's, it's got a lot of meeting rooms, which is nice. That's cool. Uh, well, as much as I want to talk about Foursquare, I want to, I, I would rather talk about soccer. So I hope you're okay with that. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, between the last time that we talked and now a lot has changed and, and I want to start off by saying congratulations because you reached one of your, your stated goals with stockade actually, uh, uh, very quickly. I think you guys set a goal to reach the U S open cup and you guys did that within like what, two or three years. Uh, yeah, we did in our second uh, at the end of our second season. Yep. That's amazing, man. Um, so congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. There's a couple other things. I'm, I'm I'm hoping you can give us an update on on Stockade and, and some of the things that have been happening. Uh, some of the other things that that we can maybe talk about. Um, if you have updates, maybe you can update us on the cast filing that you and Ricardo yep. uh, that you and Ricardo teamed up on. Um, I think between the last time we talked and now you also had another baby, you and your wife had another baby. <laughs> yeah, we did. That's right. <laughs> and busy, busy couple months. Yeah. And, and between the, actually the first time that we talked, which was, which was on Skype and let's, it was actually election day, 2016. I remember that date. Oh, specifically. God, that's right. Um, yeah. so between then and now we actually had a conversation in person and you yep. bought me one of the most delicious rice crispy treats I've ever had in my life. So I want to, again, say thank you for that. <laughs> hey, anytime. And next time we're in town, we'll go back there. We'll make nice. a pilgrimage back to the big shop. <laughs> Perfect. Um, let's, uh, let's rewind and go back to some of the stockade stuff. So what, what are some of the biggest updates that, that, you, that you have about stockade or, or what are some of the, the, the highlights that, that you, I'm, I mean, I don't know if you want to brag about them, but, but you, can, you can talk to people about right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the number one thing, well, the, the, I'll, I'll group these as one is, you know, we won our conference championship last year. That was a huge milestone achievement for us. Um, and, you know, that was a big part of us getting the bid to qualify for the, for the Open Cup. Uh, our first U.S. Open Cup is going to be this Wednesday, um, May, was it May 9th, um, in Long Island. And, you know, we're putting together a fan bus. People are going to be driving down from Kingston. Um, you know, we're playing the... Um, the Long Island Rough Riders, which is a PDL team. They've been around forever. They're very skilled. There's a lot of very talented players uh, that have come out of that program. So it's, it is a um, by no means an easy match for us. It'd be very challenging. Um, but at the same time, like our, uh, we have a strong squad. And the, you know, it's a, it's a team that's capable of doing great things, as, as you've seen from you know, our, our wins last season. And um, the guys have been taking it very seriously. Like they've been training a lot in the off season. They've been at the gym. Um, 
you know, tr- training as a, as a team for a while, like on, on their own. Right. Um, you know, I, I try out these guys show up fit and looking fast and, and strong. And that's, that's great. You know, like uh, someone, uh, I was talking to someone the other day about the open cup and, you know, every, every year there's one, you know, there's a club that wins, you know, one or two games more than they should have. There's always someone that makes a run, right? And it's yeah. like, well, why can't that be us, right? And that's that's our attitude going into it, like that we can be one of those teams, like that we're capable of doing that. So, you know, the whole thing starts next Wednesday, so we'll, we'll see where we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about the shift in mentality that you guys have had because, you know, just two years ago, your goal was to make the Open Cup. So I'm, I'm curious if you guys have, you know, done a little bit of goal setting now that you guys are actually in it. Is it is it just to make that, you know, the the kind of lucky run or do you guys have loftier goals at this point? Um, I don't have we don't have specific goals for for the Open Cup this year. You know, I think kind of the unstated goal is, you know, let's let's play a, let's play the, the best match that we can and, and let's, you know, hang our head high, um, uh, you know, regardless of how many games we win, regardless of how far we get. Right. Let's go through it with with honor and be like a really like a, a really strong team. Um, but, yeah, like I mean, we're we're just really excited for the opportunity to compete. Um, you know, that, that said, it's like, you know, it's, it's a new season. So you kind of look at the whole thing uh, with new goals. Right the the conference that we're in has been restructured a little bit like there used to be two conferences in the in the region that we're in called the north atlantic and now there's one so the competition will be a little more fierce um you know it'll be tougher to get a playoff spot but you know we're hoping to get one um we're we're still doing great things up in up in kingston you know like we we we, we have a, a couple more variables in terms of like bringing vendors to the matches and having a beer tent and having away game buses this year. Um, you know, I'm hoping to, to, you know, our record last year for attendance was 1400 fans. I'd love that for a playoff match. I'd love to see us get 1500 for a regular season match. You know, I, I don't know if that's realistic or doable yet, you know, ask me in a, in a couple months. Um, but you know, the way we approach it is like every game should be better than the last game. Every season should be better than the last season. And we should just continue to make progress. I'm curious about the vendors that you guys are bringing in and what their activity might've been like with the local community or especially the local sports community before you guys came in, because if I'm not mistaken, you guys are kind of, you know, the only show in town when it comes to, uh, professional or semi-professional sports, right? Well, there's a semi-professional American football team, but they don't, you know, they play at the same stadium and they play at similar times. Uh, they just draw a total, like they don't draw the crowd that we do. And, you know, the, the, the reason for that is I just don't think they have the same connection with the, with the community, right? Like we, we designed the club, like we intentionally built it to touch as many parts of the community as possible. Um, and, you know, people think that that's kind of hokey, but it's like that that's how you get you get people involved. Right. Like every every part of every match has thought put into it down to like, you know, the sponsors that were selected, who sings the national anthem, which, you know, which local charity gets the 50 50 raffle, which youth organization is walking out with the kids, which kids are playing at halftime. Um, you know, which local vendors get to set up a tent to promote whatever they're doing. Um, you know, the way that we, we, we spell out, you know, the, the local players on the roster, um, you know, every single thing that we have done has 
had a nod back to the community and all of those things over time kind of add up to like you know people people understand that and people respect that and people respond to that and i think that's one of the things that we we did really really well um and i think it's you know the primary reason for for any of the su success that we've had people care about the club um in part because i think we gave them a reason to care about the club um but now this thing you know this is the community has just taken it and they've they've turned it into their own thing and you know that's that's the best part about it how much does the community know about your fight now that's kind of happening uh outside of kingston so i guess i see it, it, it i i don't want to label it a fight because you're the way that you're handling things is, is in such a positive light you know you're, you're going about it a lot different than you know a ted westerfeld or or even me sometimes where we can be very combative, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and the way that you kind of go about it is, is, you know, a much more, um, yeah, peaceful way, I guess you could say, but how much does, how much does the city of Kingston know, or how much do the fans know about, you know, the things like, you know, fighting for promotion relegation and the cast filing and, and things like that? Um, to be honest, I don't think they know any of it. You know, we have a couple uh, really great sports journalists um, that are, you know, in Kingston and in the Hudson Valley. And, and you know, they ask me questions and they write about this. Um, this guy, Crispin Cock from the Kingston Times, uh, wrote a really great piece in the off season about what we were doing. And I, I think that was that was great. And it kind of, you know, brought, brought our club into the into the spotlight, kind of like in a, a larger national stage. But I think most fans that come in, like, you know, they're coming to they're coming to watch a match and they don't. They don't, um, you know, they're, they're not thinking about that. And I don't think they should think about that. You know, like I want them to enjoy the match that they're seeing. I want us to do well in our conference. I want um, I want to inspire kids to play soccer. I want to, you know, make fans out of people that weren't soccer fans. I want more people to watch the World Cup in Kingston this year than have ever watched a World Cup before. Like I have no way of tracking that metric, but that would be a... That's a that's a cool that would be a cool thing to happen just because more people care about soccer, right? What what might happen in a couple of years, and you know in a couple of years, let's say we won, let's say we made it to the playoffs, let's say I'm sorry, let's say we made it to the, the championship, let's say we won the championship for the league, and then people would say, well, what's next? And when you don't have an answer for what's next, that's when people start being like, well, what what the heck are we doing here? Like we're you know we're we're not there yet with the fans. But, you know, I, I look at all we've accomplished in the last two years and I'm thinking, you know, maybe we win the whole thing in a couple of years time. Maybe in five years we win the NPSL championship. And I want to have an answer for my fans when they say, like, well, well, now what? And I'm like, well, the answer is for five years we've been, you know, trying to change the system so we can get our club to move up and, and you know, face better opponents and and you know give our guys an opportunity of playing at a higher level and I, I hope you know i hope that's that's the answer but um you know by the time the fans are asking i think we'll we'll have a good response did you did you have that in the back of your mind when you and ricardo silva decided to do the cast filing or or was there a different reason at that moment that you decided to to pull the trigger on that no i mean like what, one of the reasons, I mean, rewind before that, one of the reasons that we started the club to begin with was like, hey, love the sport and love building things and want to do something in Kingston and, you know, making a team is a super fun project. Like th those are 
those are just table stakes reasons to do this. But another reason is like, you know, the system seems kind of broken and you can either sit and you can bitch about the system being broken or you can get to work trying to fix the system. And the way that, you know, my opinion for the way that you fix the system is you try to get inside of it. Right. So how do you get inside of it? OK, let's start a club. OK, let's gain respect for building a club. OK, let's get other clubs to respect us. OK, let's try to get on the board of the league. OK, let's be part of larger conversations about how our league connects with other leagues like this is it's been rather methodical. And then every now and then, you know, an opportunity comes out of thin air like, hey, let's go have lunch with Ricardo. That sounds cool. OK, what's Ricardo talking about? Let's both explain our strategies for how to change the system. And it turns out, you know, we're both thinking about things in a similar way and then we end up teaming together on the cast filing and so you know it's it wasn't um it, the the cast filing was an opportunity that um that was you know presented to us and we looked at it and said like hey this matches the things that we're passionate about the things that we feel strongly about and the thing that we want our club to stand for and so you know this is something that we want to be a part of that's interesting that you brought up the the other development that I failed to mention in the beginning, and this is this is a very big change. I can't believe I forgot about it. But you are now, yeah, part of the board of NPSL. I'm really curious to know what that experience has been like, and if there's been any specific projects that you've kind of, you know, sunk your sunk your I don't know sunk your heels into. Is that right? Dig dug your heels into. I don't know. Well, if that yeah. <laughs> um, um. Not not much. I mean, we, I got on the board in in was it in January, right? What month is it now? It just turned May. So you know, <laughs> we've had a couple we've had a couple board calls. Um, to be honest, like everyone is so busy just getting their team in order and getting everything set up for the season that like there there hasn't been a lot of of big tactical things yet. Um, but I, I imagine. Remember, this is, I've only been in, in, on the board for a couple months. Uh, I imagine a lot of the stuff happens in the in the off season. You know, I, there's a there's a big board repeat uh, retreat every year. This would be the first year I get to go to it. Um, you know, there's there's a strategy and kind of planning and, and thinking about you know our our place in the pyramid today and in five years from now. And you know, those are the discussions that I want to be a, a part of. You know, I think. From my other job, uh, you know, working at, at Foursquare, like I think one of the skills that I have now um, is, you know, doing kind of the long term strategic thinking, you know, like how, how do you make yourself relevant today and then future proof that idea so that you're still very relevant and very powerful 10 years from now. And, you know, my my, my day job is doing that every single day. Um, and I've been doing that for like 10 years. And so I would, you know, I'd like to bring some of that experience to the, to the league and help the league think about some of those issues. I'm, I, uh, see, I'm, I'm hesitant to kind of compare the two worlds, but because the tech world and, and the soccer world, they, they're vastly different but that you you can draw some some comparisons and make them similar. I'm I'm super curious about your experience growing a tech business and and if you've ever or if if you ever encountered or foresee encountering any type of, you know, rules or regulations or standards like you've encountered in your short experience with uh, owning a professional or starting a professional soccer team. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting question. Um you know, I'll tell you, people ask all the time, like, oh, tech and soccer, they can't be any any less similar, right? But really, like, you know, yes, it's 
it's it's tech, but it's a technology business, and it's a sports team, but it's a sports business, and like they're both businesses. And you know, like with Stockade, our, we've been very transparent about our quest to get to break even, so we can continue to do this forever. You know, with Foursquare, you know, we have remained an independent technology company, you know, for 10 years, for go, going on 10 years is nine years, um, so that we can continue to invent, you know, our vision of what we think the future is supposed to be. And so it, it's the, the two are like the same thing to me. And, you know, the skills that you learn managing, you know, a team of people at a technology business and scaling that and setting the strategy and sticking to the strategy and, you know, turning left and right when you need to is ex is exactly the same as all the stuff we've had to do, you know, to make Stockade interesting and relevant and to make sure it is, it's found its, its position. Um, if, if anything, to answer your question, like, you know, tech has this reputation of kind of being the, the Wild West, right? Like, you know, Uber just drops in whatever city they want and they just do it until someone stops them. You know, like the the history of the Internet and the history of the web browser, just like we're just going to make things and people will build stuff on top of them. Um, you know, it, it's always been kind of like that. And there's a lot more rules in soccer. There's like a, you know, there's a real governing body that tells you what you can do and what you can't do and who you can play with and who you can't play with. And that's, that's different. And I think that experience and being exposed to it for the last couple of years, you know, has helped shape my opinion on what I think, you know, U.S. soccer, not U.S. soccer, but like what, you know, what the NPSL should do or, or what someone should create, which is kind of like a mini pyramid within a pyramid. You know, like if you want to do promotion and relegation, if you want to have an open system, if you want to change the rules, like you're not going to have a lot of success lobbying the USSF. You're not going to get the professional league standards changed. Um, you know, you're, you're never going to convince the MLS to open up. Like I, I just kind of believe those things now. And I think the only way to change it is to build something new. And not to build it outside of the USSF, but like to build it inside of it, to build it in, you know, in a in a kind of lower part of it, which where I think is where the NPSL operates, right? There's no such thing as a D4, but we kind of are D4, like we're in USASA, like we could build really interesting things there, like, you know, to you just kind of find a pocket of the pyramid where we can do the things that we want to do with the flexibility um, that we want to without. I think people coming in and trying to write rules around it. The other day I had the, the opportunity to interview Jan Squara, who's the, the commissioner of UPSL. And he, sure, provi yeah, yeah. he provided me a document that's more or less like a, like the pitch from UPSL to prospective investors or, or, you know, teams wanting to join UPSL. And the second or third slide, I can't remember which one it is exactly is a, a pyramid and it has, you know, MLS at the top and, uh, USL in the number two slot, and then it has PDL, UPSL, and NPSL occupying the third spot right now. And so, in my mind, when I was thinking about that, I was like, "Wow!" Like you know, there he's identifying himself as you know the the third part of the pyramid, but he also has you guys right next to him. And so, we got into a little bit of a conversation about you know is there open dialogue between UPSL and NPSL and are you guys attempting to work together? Or do you guys ever see yourself merging? Actually, I don't know if we ever talked about merging, but um, I know that's been you know thought about before. And I'm curious why you decided to go the NPSL route with Stockade and if UPSL was even an option when you guys were, were thinking about it two years ago. 
Um, I don't, I don't remember looking at the UPSL two years ago. Um, I looked at PDL, but PDL was expensive. And, um, you know, the, the, really the, the thing that made us go to the NPSL, Minister in the NPSL is like the clubs that I aspired Stockade to be were Chattanooga and Detroit. And I was like, I want to be in the same league as these guys. And since joining the, the league, you know, I've met the owners and operators of, you know, 20, 50 other teams. And there's a lot of teams that I really, you know, I like and respect. And um, I think the thing that the NPS, the NPSL was more expensive than the UPSL. Um, but I think that, you know, the overall quality of the clubs and the organizations and kind of the, the thinking and the vision and the strategy is, is stronger in the, in the NPSL. And that's, that's what, you know, that's what I'm here for. Right. I want to play in, in a league with like high quality opponents, with friendly operators and owner groups that are thinking big about the future of soccer. And like that is that is the, the NPSL. You know, there's this this saying that get kicked that gets kicked around you know, sometimes at the at the owners meeting about like, you know, the NPSL being the home for the, you know, the entrepreneurs and the doers and the thinkers in American soccer. And like that. Uh, that describes my philosophy and it describes the philosophies of a lot of the, you know, a, a lot of the people that are at that NPSL owners meeting. And so, you know, I, I, I've, I've met a handful of UPSL owners and, you know, I've talked to Jan before and I have a lot of respect for what they've done with that league, but it, and in the way that they're growing, cause I know they're growing very quickly, but um, you know, I really, really like the NPSL and, you know, I've, I've always considered it one of the most valuable pieces of infrastructure in the whole soccer, you know, US soccer pyramid. I just think it's encouraging that you guys actually talk with each other and you guys are able to interact with each other and you can contrast that with, you know, somebody like Rocco who, you know, it seems like he's starving for a conversation with uh, U.S. soccer and, you know, he can't even he can't even get him to uh, respond to an email. Um, so the activity that's happening at the lower division seems pretty encouraging at this point. Um, I, I saw somebody quote you and I can't find where they quoted you from. But you, the quote was basically something about you uh, talking about Rocco and, and him, be, like, you know, him being evidence that there are people that want to invest in American soccer that are kind of just waiting in the whims or, or on the sidelines right now. What, yeah. What? Or, or tell me, tell me how you feel about Rocco's recent proposal and, and maybe just your feelings on Rocco in general. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've met Rocco uh, a couple times, and you know, he's a he's a he's a big personality. He's very passionate, and you know, I I like him. Like, I feel like I I can be like that sometimes. Um, <laughs> and you know, like you know, Stockade is inspired in part by going to the Cosmos matches at the Open Cup, and so you know, like I have a lot of respect for like, hey, this is the the Cosmos. He's one of the teams that really got me into the sport. Um, Anyway, to your question, right? Like, I think I think there's this there's this myth that the only way to do soccer in the U.S. is with a closed, protected system, and that you know that an open system is doomed to fail. And you know, we know because we've been in soccer for a long time, it will never work. Like, trust us. And I think there's a lot of people just like, well, we just want to try it a different way. And you know, when you talk about the openness and the conversations between the the teams and the leagues at the lower levels, like. Those are the conversations that we're having. Like, hey, we want an open system. Why don't we all work together to try to make it happen? And there's been a lot of those conversations happening in the last six months, and that's that's different. That's that's that is not that was not the case when we 
when we started doing this two, two or three years ago, and that's, that's progress. The big thing with Rocco and the announcement is like, here's a guy that is pretty wealthy and he is willing to write a $250 million check or a $500 million check, whatever the number was, um, you know, and invest it into, you know, into an open system, provided he can get some help from the USSF. Like that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of money. Um, and that's a lot of money to spend on a club or a system of clubs and not just like a franchise fee. And I think that's that's important. And I think Rock, what Rocco is is kind of saying without saying it is like, I have the money to do whatever I want. And I don't want to be buy into a closed system. I want to buy into an open system. USSF, please help us make an open system. Like that. That's how I read that letter. And I think not getting a response is just, like it's just tacky not to respond to it. Um, you know, another another version of this is you know Ricardo Silva's offer, right? Like he this is what not a year ago, like last fall. I will pay four billion dollars for the ten year rights for all of the, you know, all of the um, all all three divisions D one D two D three the the Open Cup the men's national team the women's national team four billion dollars over ten years. And everyone laughed at him, you know, and I'm like, why are you laughing? That's a lot of money, you know, but the, the terms of the deal was like, it's got to be an open system. And why does it have to be an open system? Not just because he wants one, because that's the only way the media rights are worth that much money, right? If you can tell a story about a team in D4 fighting its way all the way up to D1, you can tell that story for 10 years and you can sell it in a hundred different audiences. And that's, that is as interesting to people as all the underdog stories that happen in the March Madness college basketball tournament every year, right? And you just, you have that, you would just, like, it's, it's, it's there and it's so obvious. And I, I really don't have the empathy for people that can't see it. Um, but Ricardo was another version of, um, hey, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And again, there was no, there was no response on that. Um, you know, there was no response to that letter because, like, it was we were not within the negotiating rights for uh, the negotiating window for those rights. So that you, know, you can kind of understand it a little bit. But um, you know, I hope that offer is still around when that comes up for um, when those rights come up for renewal. And I hope that is that's considered. Like, that's a that's a big money offer, and it's I actually think it's a really smart business decision. You you got me thinking about how when you said the word tacky that that it's tacky that u.s soccer can't even respond to rocco and and the you know the excuse was you know i'm bit i'm busy carlos cordero said i'm busy with this other thing right and so here i am talking to the founder Wait, was, was uh, there a was there a response yeah there there was oh, and, okay. and and i, I might have missed that okay. yeah and and there was a response and and basically it came down to carlos saying hey like i'm going to delegate this task to somebody else within u.s soccer and, and that ultimately uh became dan flynn so um now dan who is, is, who is the ceo though He's the CEO of U.S. Soccer, right? And he's and he's been around for for years and years and years. So it's like you know, I, I actually recorded a podcast with Rishi yesterday, and in the intro to the podcast I had recorded this morning, uh, I, I kind of took a took a shot at them, saying that they, you know, they reorganized the entire structure and, and management of you know U.S. Soccer, and they you know nominated all these people chiefs of all kinds of different stuff. And then, you know, after all that reorganization and shuffling people around and giving these people tasks, the person that got tasked with dealing with Rocco is Dan Flynn. So it's like nothing really changed. That was, that was the same last year. It was the same the year before the year before that, whatever. So 
But but I think it's funny though that uh, that Carlos Cordero is too busy to talk to somebody else that's also running a billion dollar company himself. Like you know, Rocco's busy too, and here I am talking to you. You're a busy guy. You're at Foursquare headquarters right now, running a, a multi million dollar tech business. You're busy, and you're making thirty. You're, you're setting aside thirty minutes to talk on some little podcast. So how can yeah, you're going to get me fired if you keep talking like this. <laughs> um, but but it's just yeah. interesting to me to, to, to think that. It's like, how, how do you not have time to talk about a $250 million investment? That that seems absurd to me. So I think that the appropriate response from U.S. Soccer is Carlos replying and saying, hey, there's very interesting ideas here. We should talk about it. Right now, our top priority is the U.S. Open Cup bid. We'll know. I mean, the uh, the World Cup bid. We'll know about that on June fifteenth. Why don't we get together on July fifteenth? Like that's that's the statement you put out. You know. Yeah, and it was something along those lines. I, I think oh, that's kind really? of okay, not, but but in, but like you said, but in a tackier way. And so they like Carlos basically said, "I'm busy." Uh, you know, we'll talk about it in the future, but left it very open-ended. But what you said right there, I mean, in 30 seconds, you came up with a way better solution. Like, hey, it, we'll know on June 15th. Let's meet 30 days after that. Perfect. Okay. At least, there, you know, there's a timeline. So uh, that's that seems like a very yeah, that, that's e- easy decision. That's that's missing is the, the timeline. You know, I think rule number one for any of these, like any work meeting we have is like, okay, what are the next steps? Okay, when we have them done by? Okay, when we report back as to when they're done. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff I think that happens. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll do that in the future or someday we'll be able to do this. And like, you just got to put timelines on them so you can do them, you know, like not, not to toot our own horn here. Right. But like we, part of the reasons I set goals every year with the stockade club is because then it shows the guys what the priorities are, you know, like the, the priorities are like, okay, let's, let's qualify for the open cup. And let's get thousands of fans at the game, right? So what do we do? We optimize on making the games awesome experiences. And, you know, we 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 put together a killer squad that qualifies for the cup, right? By by going out and stating those goals, it, the guys know that it's important and they know that's what the job that they have to go do. And, like, sometimes when you put the goals in front of people, they just go out and they do them. And, like, that's just how it, how it works. And when you don't set goals and you don't set timelines and you don't set kind of like this has to be done by this date like stuff doesn't get done and that's kind of what's happened for a long time i think with a lot of the stuff in you know soccer well what's funny when you talk about goal setting that i don't know how long ago they 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 actually set the goal but there was like this project 2010 or, or something along those lines where the idea was for the u.s to win uh the 2010 world cup and it, they came up with like this massive plan and it was like a big document. It was, it was super funny, but it was like, how unrealistic is that to set, you know, that's a, that's a very, very lofty goal. And, and then they've since kind of backed, uh, obviously backed off of that. And, and now it's like, oh yeah, we want to make, you know, soccer, the, the preeminent sport in, in the United States. It's like, okay, well, you know, that's very vague now. So you went from very specific and high goals to super vague. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I I agree. I agree with you in a lot of different ways. It's 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 frustrating, and I think you know one of the things that was frustrating from the election process is like, you know, as a fan you don't get a vote. Like as a club owner you don't get a vote. You know, being on the board of the NPSL you don't you don't get a vote. I mean the the the, the league does, the commissioner does, and we discussed who do we want to vote for. But like, it, you know, this is like we have a a, a tiny nugget of representation when the league is a, a large entity with lots of fans and lots of 
players and lots of talent and lots of clubs and lots of communities. Can you talk about the that process of, of how you guys determine who you guys were going to vote for? And when I say you guys, I mean in, NPSL. Because I feel like that's a very gray area that people don't really understand. Like, for instance, Cal South is, is my they represent my vote, I guess, but I have no idea who we voted for. And I have no idea what the process is like, you know, to, to how they get to that vote. So how does, how does NPSL do it? Yeah. I remember a lot of the stuff was, um, it's kind of before my time, but there, there's a, you know, there was a handful of candidates and, you know, there was, there was some conversation about which, which candidates represented the interest of the league and, you know, the NPSL backed Eric Winalder and, you know, I'd spent some time with Eric, I like Eric a lot. Uh, I thought Eric was a, a, a really smart guy, had great ideas. I thought he would have done great things for the pyramid. I think he would have done great things for our league. And I was disappointed when he didn't, when he didn't get, you know, I was disappointed when it wasn't even close. Um, you know, it's one thing for it to be a really close election. It's another thing for it's like, this isn't even close. And it just, it makes things feel a bit helpless. Um, you know, so that's, that, that was tricky. Um, wait, what was the, the question? Oh, how do we, how do we come up? Yeah, that was kind yeah. of You know, one of the things, um, uh, one of the things I've learned a lot about recently is the it's kind of the voting power that the state associations have, um, and you know it, every every state association is different. They all are structured differently. They all have a different number of people that are on them, but they do have voting interest in the in the USSF presidency. And there's not another election for I think it's it's a four year term. But one of my one of the goals that I set for this year was. For, for me personally to get to know some of those people in the state associations, invite them up to our matches, make sure they know about the NPSL, make sure they know about the clubs, make sure they're sending players our way. Um, I just feel like we should, that should be a, a thing. You know, I should know those people and we should trust them and we should think that they represent us. And like, you know, I was like, I don't even know who these people are. I don't even know how to find out who they are. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've gotten past that point. I have a list of people I need to get in touch with. Um, but that's, you know, that's one of the things I wanna, I wanna do this year. And I think, you know, if there's other people listening, you know, those are those are elected officials, right? Elected officials in the world of U.S. soccer politics, like whatever state that you are in, you should figure out who your local state rep is or reps are and see if you can get them, I don't know, get them on a phone, send them an email, bring them out to an NPSL match, go take them to an MLS match, do do something, get get them together and uh, and meet these people and see if they represent your interest. I forget who I was talking uh, to this about, but you, you're basically describing a very similar plan of, and you, you kind of laid it out earlier of, you know, infiltrating from the inside, basically for, for lack of better terms, but you start your own club, uh, get on the board, get to know other, other people that have votes and, and, and making change happen from, from within. And, and that is a, a super uh, effective strategy. And, and it's obviously, it, it's obviously working for, for you and for stockade and, and uh, I, NPSL, it, it's it's just it, it seems like it's working, and it's a long term plan. So it's kind of fun to to yeah. get a little well, peek inside of, of your goals. It's it's local politics one hundred and one, right? You know, and not to get into politics here, but like ironically, the first time that we chat is like after the election. <laughs> but um, you know, Trump Trump wins, and that motivates a lot of people that don't want anything to do with politics to suddenly want to run for office. Um, and, you know, like it, it co coincidentally, New York 19, the district in the Hudson Valley is one of like the top five flippable areas in the, in the country. And there's like seven people 
seven candidates in the area trying to get the Democratic nod, um, you know, for the uh, for the congressional seat. And and it's it's like it's a it's a big thing. There's people that are coming out of the woodwork to volunteer, to help, to run, and it's it's inspiring to see. And like, you know, that that's change on a big national world global level. And I think there's a there's you know a handful of people that are running a similar playbook, but we're just doing it with kind of local soccer. Yeah, it's 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 very encouraging. I keep using that word encouraging. I used it with Jan the other day when I was talking with him and 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 with Rishi and with a couple other people I've talked about. But there's a lot of encouraging things happening right now, even though you know the results haven't really been the way that we want to see them. I think in the last year or so, especially like on the field, but but off the field in the political arena as well. Yeah. Um, but I think there are a lot of encouraging things happening. Um, I want to I want to yeah. ask you just just one more question, and you can answer it however however you like whether it's you know about yourself about stockade about npsl whatever um but it, what do people need to know right now so people that are listening to this podcast what do they need to know when they when they finish listening to this what do they need to know they need to know um that wherever they are, they should find a way to come to Long Island next Wednesday to cheer for Stockade in <laughs> their first U.S. Open Cup match. <laughs> nice, um, nice. <laughs> I, you know, I, I um, what, what do people need to know? There's kind of the last, the last question, right? So there's, um, you know, when I, when I first started talking to a bunch of buddies of mine in tech about like, hey, what are you working on? I'm like, I have this soccer project that I'm working on. And I would explain to them the concept of, of the lower levels and, and how it worked. And they're like, okay, so, you know, and we, we touched on this a minute ago. It's like, so what, what happens when you win? Like, what next? And it's like, well, then you, you just kind of do the same thing over again. You do the same season over again, do the same season over again. And that's that's just how it is. That's how it is in the in the MLS. That's how it in the top level, and that's how it is on the bottom level. And in a world without Russian relegation, like you don't you don't have the thing to to fight for to move up. And that will always just it will just keep being the same thing over and over again and until that gets that gets fixed. Now there's a lot of people thinking about how to how to change that. And it's really hard to change it. It's not impossible. It's just really hard. And it's really hard because, you know, the, the way, the, you know, the way to start linking some of these things together is everyone's going to be on the same schedule and everyone's going to start playing the same number of games, right? To take an NPSL team and to go from playing, you know, 10 or 12 matches a season to playing 30 or 32 matches a season, like that's, that's a hard thing to do. Right. Like, sure, every match that you play generates the club more money. But, you know, the NPSL is designed as like a short season product where you can play with with college players, amateur players. It keeps the cost really low. The minute you're doing a longer season, you you, you need to not use college guys anymore, um, you know, which means that you're you're also like, you know, most likely paying the guys, which is a higher roster. And like I, I do this math a, a bunch. Right. Let's say you've got you know, 30 guys and you pay them a thousand dollars a month, which isn't a lot of money, uh, not enough to live off of. And, um, you know, you pay them, you pay them a thousand, you pay a thousand bucks a month for a 10 month season. Like that's a $300 payroll, a $300,000 payroll. And like that, that's a huge jump, right? Like, so I'm running this club in Kingston. We're operating on a hundred thousand dollar budget and we're doing great things. And the only, uh, the only step up that we have is to do something that's going to cost us at least 
$300,000 in payroll. And then, you know, probably an additional, you know, $200,000, um, you know, in, in travel and hotels and admin and everything else. It's like you go from, it's just a, it's a big budget. And the only way to kind of fix, to fix this thing is, you know, to, to make products and, and by products, I mean different leagues or different extensions of leagues or whatever that allow teams to kind of dip in and out of playing short seasons, long season, pro players, amateur players, short travel, long travel, without always having to jump from this, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand dollar budget to 500,000 to $750,000 budget. And that that's the problem. It's, it's really hard to fix and, but it, it's fixable. And I think, you know, the question was, what do people need to know is like, people are starting to deconstruct the, the problem and people are starting to whiteboard solutions and people are starting to propose answers. And I, I think there's a lot of people that are starting to work together to come up with the answer. It's not a, it's not a one year thing where you can just sit down and solve it and like get it ready to go because to get a league off the ground like this, you need to get a bunch of teams to commit and they have to be close enough that you're not going to bankrupt people with travel. And, you know, it has to be, you know, you, you want there to be enough teams that it's like, that it's interesting. You probably want to have regional pockets and it's just, it's complicated. And, um, you know, the, the, the trick is, you know, our, our season right now is short and the off season is long. And so there's not going to be a lot that happens during the season, which is starting right now for everyone. Uh, but there's going to be a lot that happens in the off season, right? Everyone's so busy folding their t-shirts and printing their tickets and lining up their stream technology. People got other stuff to do just to get those matches going off on Saturday and Sundays that like, but you know, there's a, there's a, there's a deep thread of connections and conversations happening about how are we going to fix this and how do we start running to fix it once, once the off season comes around. And I think that's the thing that people sh should, should realize. Like, it's not like people aren't sitting on their hands waiting for the USF to give us an answer. Like people are like, you know what? Like we didn't get the leadership that we want in the USSF this election. So we can either sit around and bitch for four years. Or we can get to work, build in an alternative. And that's what a lot of people are doing right now. And that is inspiring. It is inspiring. And, and I, We'll tell you the same thing I've been telling a lot of these other guys is that I'm I'm thankful for people like you that are putting in the work to to challenge the system and and not sitting on your hands and not just bitching about it that that you guys are actually you know yeah you know, putting putting in the necessary work and it's uh, to to steal a line from from Ted actually I talked to Ted yesterday uh, he says that something's happening soon he's confident that something's going to happen soon. And I think a lot of it has to do with with all these people that are that are putting in this this extra effort. So I thank you, yeah. and I thank and I thank everybody else for for their efforts in doing that. Great, thank thank you. Tell tell Ted I said what's up, and then uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks again for taking the time. It's always fun to have these conversations because it helps me solidify my thinking on a lot of things too. Of course, dude. Of course, anytime. And uh, and, and yeah, thank you for for forty five minutes of your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, and if we're still rolling, I should let people know you can always learn more at StockadeFC.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at StockadeFC.com. All 
right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And thank you to Dennis Crowley for coming back on the show for a second time to talk about Stockade FC and to talk about growing American soccer in the right way. I guess that's a good way to describe it. Anyways, if you are looking for more episodes of this podcast or more information about 343, you can find all of that at 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343coaching, all spelled out, .com. And here is a little blurb from Tom Byer about one of his experiences with our online courses. And I can tell you, after someone who's done a lot of coaches' education, both as a student and as an instructor, that you will learn more by watching one or two of their videos that you might learn on any full-time course. Because the, the one thing that I like about what they're presenting is, again, it's simplicity. It's very simple. It's not a lot of, you know, complicated words. It makes sense. And it goes right directly to the heart of, of, of the game on, on, on how, to, how to develop um, not just, you know, individual players, but develop teams as well. If you would like to find more information about that program that Tom went through, you can find all of that information plus more at 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343coaching, all spelled out, .com. And once again, thank you for listening, and we will catch you here next time on the 343 Podcast.